Happy February, everyone! The first month of our activity challenge is officially over, and so far I feel like it's met at least my goals of making me go out more and helping me battle the everlasting COVID boredom. We hope you guys have enjoyed following along with us so far, and we'd love to hear your feedback or what you've accomplished in the past month. So feel free to DM us on Instagram or comment on whatever podcast platform you're listening on right now. This month, we plan to share a bit more of our activities on Instagram, so we'd love if you can hop on over and give us a follow. And with that, let's get started and talk about our week five activities, which for me was being vegetarian for a week. And for me was going to a national park. Vicky was vegetarian for this week, and she did a little bit of research on facts and history, so let's get right into it. Yeah, okay. So the first fact that I have for you guys is that vegetarianism first appeared in India and was originally linked to the philosophy of nonviolence towards animals as well as the various religious movements in India at the time. It then appeared in Greece, where it was used for medical and ritualistic purposes, and furthermore, the famous Greek mathematician Pythagoras was one of the first famous vegetarians. In 1847, the first vegetarian society emerged in England to teach others that you can be healthy without eating meat. Some famous historical figures who seem to have been vegetarian include Leonardo da Vinci, who was actually vegan, the French philosopher Voltaire, Nikola Tesla, Albert Einstein, and even Benjamin Franklin was vegetarian for part of his life. Also, both cheese and alcohol might not always be vegetarian, because animal products or animal enzymes may be used in the making of them. For example, Parmesan is often not a vegetarian cheese. However, if you want to check whether or not it is considered vegetarian, most brands will have a V on the back of the packaging. All right, Tanya, so you went to a national park this week. Tell us a little bit more about what you learned about it. So my first fact that I bring to you is that Mount Hood National Forest covers 1.1 million acres. There are over 812 miles of recreational trails, and over 4 million people visit the forest every year. Timberline Lodge at Mount Hood has the most extended skiing season in the U.S., It is open for 12 months of the year to skiers and snowboarders, and it only shuts down for a short period of two weeks in September. And a cool little fun fact is that The Shining by Stephen King was filmed there as well. My next fact is that over 200 miles of rivers in the Mount Hood National Park provide 1 million people in the Portland metro area with fresh drinking water. And a report from the National Park Service found that for every dollar invested in the U.S. National Park Service, the American public receives $4 in economic value. All right, Tanya, why did you decide to go to a national park and which park did you go to? So I chose to go to Mount Hood National Forest, um, and that was 70 miles from Portland. The original reason that I wanted to choose this park out of other options, for example, like Crater Lake, was that I had a funny childhood memory that was associated to it. When I used to live in Oregon uh, with my family, my sister and I were going to go on our first skiing trip with my dad, and Mount Hood is famous for skiing and snowboarding, so that was naturally the closest place that he was going to take us for our first lesson. And 
once we took the long drive there and I was like watching the trees and the snow and it was just so pretty because I wasn't familiar with any kind of forest area like that, um, living further south in the U.S. before and not being super exposed to forests and mountains. Um, so I was looking around. I was getting more and more excited to go explore the park with my sister. And then right as we got there, uh, we found out that my sister forgot her jacket at home and she was about five at the time so I guess you hear the oh no song (laughs) exactly oh no oh no (laughs) that's what my dad and I thought um but luckily there was like a Walmart maybe like 30 minutes away because by then we were kind of deep into the park so we drove to the Walmart got her a jacket try number two we were gonna get on the skiing mountain and just start it off and forget that this ever happened. And then we went all the way back and it was closed for the day. Double O no song. (laughs) Yeah. So that was so sad because after driving there and seeing all the scenery and all the cool trees and mountains, I was so stoked to get up there and try something that I'd never tried before um, and Mm -hmm. kind of explore a little bit. So I decided you know what? It's been a long enough time. I might as well see it for myself now that I'm older. And if I want, I'll remember to bring my jacket. So that's my little funny story. Very good. (laughs) All right. um, What did you do while in the park? And could you kind of go into detail about your whole experience? Yeah. So at first, uh, I drove up to the ski bowl and drove through the little area called government camp. So the ski bowl is where like all the skiers and snowboarders are. It's um, pretty close to the summit. And then Mm -hmm. government camp was the little, I guess, town, you would call it, that has the mountain in it. Um, There's like a tiny little fire station, a tiny little like mayor's office. Um, It's just one of those cute hole in the wall towns. Um, But it has... Sounds cute. Yeah, it is cute. And they have all kinds of cute little ski shops and restaurants that were unfortunately closed. Um, But they did look like they were super cute and super welcoming and everyone looked like they were having a really good time. Um, And that, of course, was where the snow was primarily, because earlier I stated that the forest is pretty large. So um, it covers lakes and ponds and rivers and trees of course but it also has the mountain and the mountain was where I located all of the snow that I could see um unfortunately the visibility was a bit low and one of my tires I recently found out has like negative tread it's like a yo-yo almost um so gosh yeah exactly I was like praying in my car um So I kind of wanted to go off-roading like into the snow area because uh, some of the roads were plowed, but then some of them were a little bit more rugged. And as cool as that looked, I just did not feel like getting stuck with Vicky being three hours away, if that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) You can't bail me out on this one too quick. Nope. (laughs) Um, So then I decided to turn around a little bit. I looked at the mountain, took a few pictures. And then I decided to go down to the Pioneer Brindle Trail and check it out. So that was a little bit deeper into the forest. Um, It was right along this creek. And the trail connects government camp and a town called Rhododendron, which I thought was so cute. 
That sounds cute also. Yeah, it is. Honestly, I saw a lot of really cute things on my trip. And apparently the trail is also used by mountain bikers, which luckily I did not encounter any. Otherwise, I might have been trampled. And it is eight miles long in total, uh, connecting the two towns. And I ended up walking down to the river and just taking a little bit of time to de-stress after a long week of work. And it was really nice to kind of reconnect with nature, if that makes sense. That sounds really nice. Um, Is there a particular moment from your visit that stands out to you? Yeah, so overall, I would say that the drive through the forest was really nice, although that there weren't too many places like viewpoints that you can stop and look around at. Um, Also, the visibility was a little bit low due to the fog that I wasn't expecting. And I guess the Weather Channel doesn't always tell you about fog, which I think should be amended. I think that that would be a helpful edit. Um, Would probably be a helpful edit. (laughs) Yeah, especially if you're looking for things like mountains. (laughs) So um, I also really liked when I hiked down to the river, like I just mentioned, and had a little moment with the nature and just the fresh air. And I think that it was really helpful for me just because I started my first week in the field at work last week. And it was a little bit overwhelming, although really fun. And it was just nice to have a day off and just de-stress a little bit. All right. Well, before we move on to a little bit of a fun question, just a quick congratulations on that. Thank you. So now this is a little bit of a different question, but here goes nothing. Um, Of the trees in the park that you visited, what kind of tree would you be and why? Oh, gosh. When I first saw this question, I I was really thinking, wow, I need to start doing my research because I did not do super well in terms of tree species memorization in bio. Um, (laughs) But I'm glad that a lot of the trees in the forest or the like the monumental ones or the things that Mm -hmm. would stand out. They had signs next to them kind of explaining their history, the background, the scientific name and that kind of stuff. Um, So I would say that the one that really stood out to me was at the beginning of the Pioneer Brindle Trail. There were two big maple leaves and they were on each side of the trail and kind of almost forming an arch, which Mm -hmm. I thought was really cool. It was kind of like a welcoming sign. Um, They were planted 120 years ago by toll gatekeeper Daniel Parker and have grown since then to become the centerpiece of the trailhead. And it's it's pretty obvious, like when you walk by it, it stands out because everything else is a little bit lower lying. There were ferns on the trail, um, sword ferns, I learned that in bio, did not forget it. <laughs> so yeah, there were a lot of different kinds of cool trees, but I would say that I would identify myself as a big leaf maple as well, because just like the tree, I'm sweet, bold, and hopefully impact a lot of people who I come across. That sounds really nice. Super Um, spiritual. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, What was on your playlist for the day? Um, Kind of name your top five songs and that just made you feel something. Okay, so I'll start off by naming the songs and then I'll get into a little bit how I chose them and why. So um, the songs are Welcome Home Sun by Radical Face, 
The Mason by Jake Scott, Coming Home, and then in parentheses, Oregon, <laughs> by Matt Kearney, <laughs> Moments in the Mountains by Madison Olds, and finally, I Can See It by the National Parks, fitting. <laughs> uh, so the reason that I chose these um, was kind of kind of interesting. Usually when I go on drives, I like a little bit more I wouldn't say EDM, but something that's super upbeat and has a little bit of like a DJ feel to it and something mm-hmm. that I can really dance to. But there's something about driving into nature that makes me want to listen to the banjo. <laughs> and I okay. Don't, <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. And okay, disclaimer, this isn't like banjo, like the whole song. It just has like accents of the banjo. and. Mm-hmm. Um, these songs, I'm not really sure how to explain it. It's a little bit of like a indie feel, like a boho feel. It just gives you like the cool feeling of when you're entering like a mountain or like a forest. There's just something about these songs that kind of sets the mood. There's some mystery to it. There's a lot of like cool sounds like the banjo and then like maybe some xylophone thrown in there. Um So, yeah, I think that these are really cool for road trips. And I think that I'll start using these I love that. Maybe maybe for the story updates on our Instagram. So when you hop on over and check our Instagram, we could put those in your stories so people can check them out. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think everybody will become a huge banjo fan because these songs are so good. And I love the banjo. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I just found them on Spotify um, from a girl's playlist that does photography. And I thought that they were really cool. So I went ahead and added them to mine. Very nice. Um, overall, what would you rate this experience out of 10? So I would rate it a 6 only because the weather conditions and lack of visibility, um, namely fog, and just the you know just the inability to see the mountain if that makes sense was a little mm-hmm. bothersome and it wasn't a huge road trip like it didn't take me so long and I'll get into that later on but i think that it would have been a really nice reward to have seen it like on a clear day and i don't know kind of experience the whole picture and the whole vision of what i was expecting Um, but I would definitely say that it would be nicer to go in summer to be able to hike a bit more and see the views. I do enjoy hiking and then maybe Vicky, you can join me in summer and we can hike it and it'll be kind of fun. Definitely. And I don't live too far. And maybe by next winter we can go skiing there together. Yeah, perfect. I mean, like I said, it has the longest season, so... Perfect. Maybe at this time I'll actually <laughs> I'll actually be able to have my first time skiing there. Oh my gosh. What a, what a turn of events. That That's so a story fun. for a different episode. For sure. <laughs> um were there any costs associated with the activity? And if not, are there any that might arise in other seasons? Yeah, so I would say that this activity was super affordable. Uh, the parking pass for the National Forest was $5 for the day if you parked at any of the trails. Um, I 
didn't park for super long and I couldn't find where the pay stand was, so I just didn't. But <laughs> if you do go there for a longer amount of time, like maybe a few hours, I would say probably just try to find the stand or go to the ranger station and they have those there. And then also depending on where your starting location is, the amount of gas you'll burn is variable. Uh, for mm -hmm. me, it only took a quarter of a tank there and back. So it That's wasn't not bad. Yeah, it wasn't too bad at all. And I think for other people, there might be some different costs depending on the activities that you do there. For example, if you're going skiing or snowboarding for the whole day, of course, you might want to grab some food after. You might want to rent skis or snowboard if you don't have that or rent gear. So um, and just get ski passes. Exactly. See, I'm just so new to this that I seriously have no um, <laughs> idea. But yeah, you need all that kind of stuff that um, you'd expect to purchase when you go skiing or snowboarding. Um, but if you're just going there for a visit to go hike or take some pictures, it would only be around $5 plus whatever you spend for gas. Very nice. Overall, how long did this take you? So it was an hour and 15 minutes each way from downtown Portland. So around two and a half hours of travel time. And I was there for around an hour to an hour and a half. Um, and it's also mm -hmm. important to know that the roads weren't snowy until the very end, like when you got to the mountain. So uh, this is travel time for non-snowy weather. Mm -hmm. I, I know that um, maybe 30 miles before the ski bowl there were signs saying uh like snow warning like have traction tires or have chains so i'm sure at some points 30 miles from the ski bowl there are snowy occurrences and i'm sure that they do have snow out there um during other times of the year so i would just be prepared with chains um or traction tires, whatever you feel you would need for snow with your vehicle. But um, for perfect weather, besides fog, it only took two and a half hours. Perfect. Um, what do you think other people should know about this activity? So um, the main thing that I would take away from this is that if you plan to make the trip one time, so if you were to go to Mount Hood or the National Forest, one time in your whole entire life, I would say that you would probably want to cater the time of the year to what you're interested in. Um, so this week, the mountain was super busy with skiers and snowboarders, and it was snowy, and everyone looked like they were having a great time out there. I saw some snowshoers, uh, which I'm excited to try someday as well. Mm -hmm. And um, if you like snow activities, I would just say go in winter or maybe even early spring. It is open year-round, but obviously the snow amount changes over time as well. And then if you're more interested in hiking and looking at the views within the park, I would say go in late spring and summer um, because that's kind of where you're going to get the better visibility. It's going to be nicer to go on a hike when you're not freezing and the roads are going to be clear as well. And also, my last tip would be to have a good playlist, because most of the drive, if you start from Portland, isn't super scenic. Like, you drive by the airport and um, just some other industrial 
areas until you get to like the tiny towns. But yeah, just have a good playlist and I think you'll be all set. Perfect. Those sounds like like some really good tips. And we'll be right back with my section. Vicki, why did you decide to go vegetarian for a week? Yeah, so when we originally planned out all our activities and wrote down our ideas, um, Tanya came up with one that was being vegan for a week, which I thought was really intriguing. But I didn't quite want to go that far. I thought um, that vegetarian was enough for me. So that's kind of where the idea came from. Um, I thought it would be like a nice challenge and it would be interesting to see how easy or hard it would be for me because I don't feel like I eat a crazy amount of meat all the time, but I do also like eat like, I feel like I eat meat in more like small portions um, more often rather than like eat a whole steak, if that makes any sense. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel like it. I just wanted to see how hard it would be to like cut that out of my diet and how I would feel. So I thought that was would be kind of like an interesting thing. And I also tried um, to couple this challenge a little bit with cooking more at home and not getting takeout or just being like super lazy with what I cook. So that was kind of part of my challenge, even though it was technically not part of my challenge. But I really enjoyed the cooking aspect of it, too. Nice. And would you say that it was a challenge coming up with meal ideas? And where did you get your inspiration? So in the beginning of the week, it was pretty easy. But around Wednesday night, I had a little bit of a lack of inspiration hitting me. Um, I got most of my ideas in the beginning from dishes I usually like um, that are either meatless in and of itself or where the meat is really just an addition and it's not necessary at all. Um, because I just couldn't get myself excited about any dishes that would be replacing the meat with like tofu or even like cauliflower. I just felt like it would be a lot more disappointing to me to feel like I'm making like a chicken dish where the chicken is cauliflower or tofu (laughs) rather than just make a dish that doesn't include the chicken aspect of it, if that makes any sense. I kind of get it. Get it. Yeah. And tofu I just, is not easy for people who just don't like it either. So. Yeah, I don't really like tofu. I don't really love the consistency slash lack of taste. I'm sorry. Don't hate me. I'd I just rather not have anything than that, if that makes any sense. Gotcha. Yeah, more power to you. <laughs> so what did you end yeah. up making for the week? So on Monday night, I made bruschetta. On Tuesday night, I made couscous. On Wednesday night, I um, caved and got pad thai as takeout from the store. Um, But I got it without chicken, so it's all good. And um, that was kind of my lack of inspiration. And then on Thursday, I made corn mushroom pasta because I... We kind of ran out of stuff at home and I was late, but I'll talk about this a little more later as well. And then on Friday, I made yellow curry fried rice from scratch. And on Saturday, I made gnocchis from scratch and also homemade pesto. That sounds so good. It was pretty good. And how often in a week do you eat food that would normally go against the vegetarian diet? 
Yeah, so I would say approximately two or three times a week in general. Um, I really enjoy chicken with several different dishes. But I think the biggest thing would be like having like a piece of salami or something like that on a bread sometimes, which is also what I miss the most. And what I kind of meant with earlier, like, like small amounts, it's like not like a steak, but it's more like a piece of salami or ham or something like that, which still is meat, but like a lot less, obviously. I remember your struggle wanting salami this whole week on a panini. Okay. You're like, no, I just have to wait. I just have to wait. I feel like the fact that I couldn't have it made it a lot more desire, like desirable. Did you finally get your salami now? No. I actually what? haven't had meat yet. I mean, it's like 10 a.m. You're right. So maybe yeah. later today. <laughs> It'll happen. Definitely later today I'll have some, but not yet. Did you notice any difference in things like energy level and satiety throughout this week because of the lack of protein? And how did you compensate for that, if so? Um, to be honest, I don't think I felt very different. It was really only a couple days of doing it, if you think about it, like six days. Um, I think there would have been a bigger change if I would have done it longer but yeah, overall, I don't think so. And also, I feel like there would probably be a bigger change if I would go vegan. So gotcha. you'll have fun with that one. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. Actually, no, I'm not because I love cheese. But <laughs> it'll be a good challenge for me for sure. And what was your favorite dish and what was your least favorite? Yeah, so my favorite dish was couscous. Um, I made it on Tuesday, I believe. And I really found myself craving it afterwards for a couple of days. And I even wanted to repeat it on Thursday night. But we had run out of all the couscous in the house and I didn't realize. So that was the reason I made the pasta. Um, but that was definitely my favorite. And I think I'll make it again on Monday next week. Um, and then my least favorite dish was the pasta originally, um, mostly because I felt it was kind of boring and I really just wanted couscous and I was kind of like, we don't really have much at home right now, but I'll make this work. Um, but then also the gnocchi I made yesterday, they were pretty good in general, but I just realized that I actually don't love gnocchi that much and I kind of forgot about that. So... <laughs> Um, I didn't love that either, but my pesto was really good. And I feel like the gnocchi were good. I just don't enjoy them so much. Gotcha, gotcha. Sounds I think it's a texture thing. Yeah. With Vicky, she's kind of sensitive to textures. It is. I am. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. To each their own. Do you think that you would fare better being vegan for a week or vegetarian based on your habits? All right. Well, if you haven't heard it by now, no. <laughs> Um, I would absolutely choose vegetarian over being vegan any day. Um, I think overall being vegetarian took a lot more planning this week, but I think over it's also pretty easy to keep it up. And if you do it for a while, it probably doesn't take any planning anymore because it's just like becoming intuitive. Um, I also think the planning came a lot with me wanting to cook a little more and make it a little bit more fun rather than just find meatless options, if that makes any sense. 
Um, I think I would really struggle with being vegan because I, it's so restrictive in my opinion, like from what I usually eat. And I also don't know if I would want to go a week without like a chai or a latte or a tea. And I drink all of those with milk. And I know like there's alternative milks, but I just don't love the taste of alternative milks with like chai or my homemade lattes and teas. So yeah, that would be a big struggle for me. I feel like if that were to work, it would have to be the oat milk lattes from the botanical garden every day of the week yeah. <laughs> to make it work. I really liked the oatmeal latte we had in Amsterdam. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Did I study so abroad good. or something? Yeah. But um, I feel like every time I've tried to remake it, it's tasted very different. Like I don't mind the oat milk, but I also would never put oat milk in my tea because it tastes so different and really alters the taste in my opinion, from like what I usually have. And um, when I've gotten oat milk lattes and cafes, it's a little bit better because they're probably just better at doing it. But it's just never reached that first perfect creamy oat milk latte. Yeah, I get it. It always seems better in the cafe, to be honest. I'll leave it to the experts. And with chai, it just alters the taste so much. I don't like it. I really just like the regular chai the most. Makes sense. So overall, what would you rate this experience 1 to 10? All right. Are you guys ready? Everyone, it's not a 6. <gasps> I will Whoa. rate it a 7. Um, I was really wanting a panini, as Tanya mentioned, <laughs> around the middle <laughs> of the week. But other than that, I thought it was kind of fun. And I really like planning out my meals a bit and spending more time cooking and I really also enjoyed taking pictures of my food and editing them for the Instagram. So again, go on over and check them out. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think overall I had a lot of fun doing it and I would probably do it again sometime, maybe, maybe not for like a whole week or so plan out, but I'll definitely like keep some of the meals I make and yeah. That's good. It sounds like you had a good time. How much was this activity compared to your normal diet? Um, So I mostly went shopping with my parents because I live with them at home right now because of this thing called COVID. Um, But I did use a bit more of the same ingredients for like every meal. Um, I feel like I overall used like a lot of tomatoes and everything and a lot of mushrooms and everything. Um, And then like some other things changed a little bit, but um, that was kind of like almost every day. But then also I, um, we went a little bit more shopping. So overall, probably the same, but it's kind of hard to say. Gotcha. And finally, do you have any tips for people wanting to try this challenge? Um, I would say plan all your meals in the beginning. It's important, especially if you don't know 100% what you want to make yet. Um, so just don't get into my Wednesday or Thursday position where you're like, I have no idea what to make right now. And, um, then it gets a little stressful. So also I would say, um, I personally enjoyed the idea of the meatless, um, recipes that just didn't include meat at all, like the bruschetta or, 
like the couscous where you really don't need any meat in it rather than like the alternatives as I mentioned before because I just feel like if you usually eat and enjoy meat and then you expect it to be chicken and then you bite into tofu it's just not the same and I feel Mm -hmm. like it'll be more disappointing and as soon as you get disappointed with your food it obviously gets harder so I feel like to just not put yourself in a position where you could be disappointed what makes sense to me Um, but for everybody their own and then lastly I would say make sure to pay attention to the smaller things such as um, always using vegetable broth over chicken broth because it's just like it seems obvious when you talk about it but it's also like super easy to forget when you're just making broth and you just pull out your um, chicken broth Um, but I mean that's technically also considered not vegetarian so just make sure with these like little things Yeah, that's a really good point. All right, that's it on our week five activities. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did and maybe even got inspired. We'd love it if you can share our podcast with your friends and make sure to follow us on Instagram for more activity content. Now go eat your veggies and we'll see you next week. Bye.